Welcome to the Configure Price Code podcast. My name is Frank Sohn and I'm the founder of NoCPQ Consulting. This podcast is 100% focused on Configure Price Quote, also known as CPQ, and will provide you useful insights into this topic. My guest today is Ryan Lott. Ryan is the CEO of NeoCall, which he founded in 2003. And NeoCall is a system implementer that's focused on Salesforce, CPQ, and billing. They have their headquarters in Chicago and offices in London and Edinburgh. Welcome, Ryan, to the CPQ podcast. Thank you, Frank. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you. Ryan, let's start uh, with the first question. You're an immigrant like myself, right? So my first question is, what brought you to the U.S. initially? Uh, great question, Frank. I, I get asked this a, a lot. And I think I've got uh, two answers. I've got uh, the business answer or the personal answer. Which one would you like? <laughs> I like the personal answer first. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. So, um I was in the UK for about 27 years um, before I came over here. So 10 years ago, I came to the US and searching for a wife um, in the UK for those 27 years, Frank, it didn't work out so well for me. So I thought I would uh, try my luck in America. And here I am 10 years later, still searching. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish you good luck with that. But what would have been the business answer? The, the business answer was... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we had some really good expansion um, in in the UK, um, which was going great for us. And we were getting we were an IBM partner, which I'll talk about um, here shortly. But IBM wanted us to expand, and America was kind of a natural fit with the language um, as well. And also from a personal perspective, it is somewhere that I wanted to um, venture to myself. Um, so it was just a good fit, help us expand the business, um, replicate what we're doing in the UK. And also be able to use and leverage a lot of the existing staff without having to worry about language barriers. Excellent. Um, but let me ask one question. I think you founded Neocall in 2003. That, that has been a long time ago. How did it come to that? So why did you start that company so early? Yeah, sure. Let me, I'll give you some background on myself here. Uh, so my, I started at IBM um, when I was 16. I did about two years there. I've, The technology Lotus Notes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with. with Lotus Notes. Unfortunately, I know what you're talking about. So <laughs> that's normally what I hear. I was uh, interesting fact. I was the youngest worldwide certified Lotus professional at the age of 16. So that's my claim to fame. Uh, but I started that at IBM. Did two years there, and then joined an IBM business partner uh, for about 18 months, um, focusing on Lotus Notes development. And saw an opportunity um, out there around back then um, in this 2003, email archiving was kind of a big need that was evolving. Um, so sold everything I had, uh, moved back in with my parents and started Neocol. I had a business partner at the time and we started on being experts in a product by IBM then called Common Store. So email archiving experts. And that's how we ended up you know, starting and founding Neocol. Uh, back in 2003, there's a lot that's happened since then, uh, but that was kind of the start of the journey. And I'd always said uh, my dad had several businesses that I was going to have a you know business by the time I was 25 was my goal. So um, yeah, I kind of had that molded into me, and uh, yeah, I'm really happy that I took that leap back then. And to be honest, it was probably a, a good time to do it because I didn't have a huge number of commitments uh, personally, so it was a good op opportunity, I would mm -hmm. say, to start a business. 
Excellent. Then let me switch gears a little bit and ask you a little bit more about uh, CPQ and quote to cash, right? So how did you get started with this topic and, and when did you get started with it? Yeah, so we were an IBM partner, as I mentioned, for probably the first 15 years. We've been around about 17 years now. And um, we were in that email archiving space and we were doing a lot after that, probably a couple of years after that, a lot of transformational projects a lot of large insurance finance companies helping them re-engineer business processes like claims processes, um, member onboarding processes. You know, we take companies from 250, 300 people down to you know, 30 people by re-engineering business processes, which was great. And IBM had some fantastic technology um, at the time to do that. But a couple of years back, I wasn't necessarily too happy with the direction. Um, we'd been working on this technology for 15 years. And IBM had really taken that same technology and just changed the pricing model of it to be now a SaaS-based uh, product, but ultimately it was still the same legacy technology just on some cloud servers. If we want to stand up a development environment, it would take you know, three months to build out this environment. And then I saw there was you know, other technology out there that was much more true homegrown SaaS solutions, such as a Salesforce. So um, a couple of years ago, looked out there in the market, probably evaluated about 10 different technology vendors, and then landed on Salesforce as where we wanted to focus as an organization, uh, based on their fantastic technology stack, also the ecosystem, how their SI partners um, were ran as, as a business. So decided to land on Salesforce, and I knew from my time there running Nearcall in the IBM days, we needed to be focused um, on a particular technology stack within Salesforce. So assessed again within Salesforce to see what was of interest, first of all, because I'm a big believer that you know, when you're doing something day in, day out, you want it to be something you believe in and um, you know, enjoyable projects. And for me, CPQ and the whole quote to cash space goes across areas that I care about, you know, um, personally here from running Nick, all right, all the way from sales, you've got operations in there, you've got finance. So that's why I love the ability to take what we've been doing for 15 years, which is re-engineering business processes, but bringing that into an area where I thought we could bring tremendous value from sales through operations and finance. And Salesforce CPQ billing was like a fantastic fit for us there. Excellent. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've done it now for almost 25 years, so it's it's still exciting. But what's the most exciting part for you? Because the CPQ space changes quite a bit at these days, right? So what's the most exciting part for you being in that space at this time? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say I'm you know, per personally pretty new um, to the space compared to you know veterans like yourself, right, who've been in the quote to cash and CPQ space for a long time and has pros and cons, right? We come at it, um, I come from looking at these business processes and particularly our focus area at Neocol, which is a lot around SaaS companies and can look at it and say, okay, from a solution perspective, what makes sense? How can we re-engineer these businesses, um, business processes that are happening um, all the way from sales to finance. Um, so I know, you know, if I look back in the history around CPQ and you know, the days of kind of big machines and before that, I'm sure, and then Stillbrick and CPQ and Aptus, this whole area and what's happening in the future as well around um, whether it's AI or visualization, I think it's evolved tremendously, but we've found a real focus and niche here at Neocol around subscription companies and the whole, how can we get the uh, contracts? We're really focusing on subscriptions and contracts mm -hmm. and how they can be generated 
and the whole life cycle of a, a contract. So that really is where we're focused. Um, it's an area that I'm really passionate about, is how we can bring great value and repeatable processes to companies and bring across a wealth of companies we're dealing with, how we can bring like the best uh, domain expertise to other companies that are out there. Excellent. And I will ask you more questions about Neocall in a sec. But before we go there, I have a question I ask everyone who's coming on the CPQ podcast is, what do you like to do if you don't work? <laughs> is that if, if I wasn't working in the future? Or is that... <laughs> <laughs> working I would say uh, outside of work um, right now things are a little different right with the, the current situation in the world and uh, COVID which actually for me I'm typically based in Chicago downtown Chicago in an apartment there uh, but a couple of months ago I came up to uh, northern Wisconsin out by a lake house and so that's worked out really well because I've stayed up here through COVID so I'm doing a lot of things I probably wouldn't normally do Frank um, which is great so some fishing Trying to catch some muskie up here. Apparently, they call it the fish of 10,000 casts. Um, <laughs> probably on about nine and a half thousand. So, within the next 500, I hopefully will catch that that muskie. Uh, that's um, cycling as well, I'm working out, um, and lots of grinning uh, right now. So, they're the things that are keeping me busy outside of work. Okay, excellent. So, very active lifestyle. So, that's I think seems to be a common uh, uh, thing in the CPQ community. Anyway, so now you already started talking a little bit about Neocall. Tell us a little bit more about what services you offer, for which industries you offer it, and on what geography and customer sizes you focus. Sure. Um, I would say we are very focused um, as an organization, as, as what we do in the CPQ space. So from an industry, we're heavily focused on subscription-based companies. So a lot of those and a lot of our customers are SaaS-based um, companies, some you know, well-known logos out there um, in the SaaS space. So we're very focused on that. Um, there's a reason for that. As a business, everyone from sales all the way through to delivery speaks exactly the same language. Right? We're talking about you know, ASC 606 compliance. We're talking about Now, auto renewals, we're talking about churn, SaaS metrics, and we're really heavily focused all the way through the company rather than one minute we're talking bill of materials in manufacturing, then we're talking ASC 606. So I like it, it's great because we bring that knowledge across. So that's why we're very focused um, on SaaS, I would say, in subscription-based companies. Um, from a geography perspective um, we have a head office in edinburgh in the uk and then also chicago in north america so we have a range of customers you know across the world and how many employees do you have right now yeah sure we're uh, 35 people um okay. across uk and the u.s Excellent. And I think everyone who's following social media a little bit with Twitter and LinkedIn and stuff like this, there were some announcements here and there. So I was wondering, what are you expecting to achieve with Neocall in the next 12 months? Yeah, I would say um, we've definitely got some, some very ambitious growth plans. Um, we're definitely on a, a big acceleration uh, period for us, rapidly growing and expanding, which is great um, for us as an organization. I love the challenges that come with that, but we're, we're looking to double in size um, between now and the end of next year. Uh, so it's, a, it's going to be a great transformation for us. Uh, it's hard to say exactly you know, what's going to happen in those next 12 months, but we've got a lot of exciting opportunities out there for us uh, that are on the table now. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a great time. Great time. I know 
And, and let me ask one question uh, regarding this, Ryan. So uh, how has COVID-19 impacted your, your plans for the next 12 months? Because if you still want to double in size, it doesn't sound like you have had, you've seen too much impact just yet. Yeah, I'd say we're very fortunate as well because of the industry that a lot of our customers are in. Um, it's a tough time out there, right, for particularly people in the, whether it's transportation industry or um, the events, um, the hospitality industry. Majority of our customers are in the SaaS and subscription world, um, which, again, is a, a great driver for companies to move there because they have these subscriptions in place. Some of them will have a you know, small amount of churn based on some of their customers struggling. But in general, um, what we're finding is they're actually taking this as an opportunity to make some of these process improvements that they've potentially been too busy to do in the past or haven't had the time. Um, particularly, I would say, around this kind of omni-channel um, or having people come in and buy you know, online or through direct sales reps as well. They're taking it as a good opportunity to be able to do a lot more online Yeah, that's definitely true. I've seen that too, right? So customers definitely are looking more at e-commerce capabilities. But let me ask, since you mentioned the innovation and so on, uh, that's forced by COVID-19, have you done any innovations for Neocall right now? Ourselves, um, in terms of how we're, we're working at Neocall? Is that yep. what you mean there, Frank? Yep. Yeah, I would say we're pretty fortunate, again, that majority, we do have a couple of offices, um, downtown Chicago and Edinburgh. But right now, majority of our work can be done remote. So there's typically kickoff workshops where we'll go on site. There's also some uh, kind of go lives where we'll be on site. But um, it's worked very well, actually, in this period. Um, we haven't had any issues at all. Um, you know, we've got actually progressing projects, kicking new projects off, going live with everyone working remotely. Uh, so I think it's, it's been great. Uh, we've been doing a lot of video uh, calls out there across the team. Uh, but I wouldn't say any particular innovations. I just think we're fortunate that in our industry and where we are, we're able to work generally pretty well uh, remotely. So, yeah. Oh, and, and that begs one question, I guess, because right now for everyone, it seems like the traveling has been canceled for the remainder of 2020, right? So that means also the, the travel budget that you had expected is not going to be used for that. What are you going to use your expected travel budget for instead of, of travel? Wow, Frank, I wonder if my CFO is going to be listening to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we might have some different uh, perspectives on this. But um, no, I think we're, you're absolutely right. Um, if we look at it, things such as Dreamforce, for example, right, that's always a, a fantastic event for us. Um, every year we love going there um, with our partners you know, over at Salesforce and lots of customers and other partners in the ecosystem. So it's a shame that that won't be happening in person this year. But that does obviously save us considerable um, budget. But I think we're putting it to, towards different channels. So you're going to see in the coming months probably you know, five or six reference videos coming out where we're going to get actual videos in place. I think it's a good good way for our customers to tell the story about how happy they are working with Neocall and also the, the solutions from Salesforce. So putting budget to different places, really, um, but still focused on marketing activities and getting their name out there and the success stories. Okay, got it. Makes sense. Um, now, you already mentioned it, uh, Salesforce, right? Do you work with any, any other CPQ solution providers besides Salesforce? No, from a CPQ perspective, we're 100% uh, focused on Salesforce, CPQ, and also their billing product. So CPQ and billing, um, we do come across other providers out there in the CPQ and billing space, usually as a migration. 
though. So, you know, if I look at a lot of our projects, probably 70, 70, 75% of our projects are migrations from either uh, Azora, a Recurly, a NetSuite suite billing, Sage Intact contracts, doing a lot of migrations um, from those solutions. Uh, but so we have you know, a lot of skills and knowledge around them and data structures, but we're very um, heavily invested in Salesforce CPQ and billing and you know, believe that um, it's the right place to kind of put our bets on the, on the technology and it's proving um, successful so far. A couple of our offerings will change pretty soon and it may take a while until this is reflected on the Novo CPQ website but if anyone is interested to learn what these new and exciting changes are drop me a message at frank.zone at novocpq.com and I'm happy to tell you more about how Novo CPQ can help you with your CPQ needs. And let me ask one question. So uh, right now, when a customer does a project with you, how does a typical project high level look like? I know everything looks a little bit different. It always depends on the situation. But an average project so that people have an idea how a project with NeoCall would look like. Yeah, sure. So I, th I think there are different types of projects we have, right? We have some advisory services where we come in and we look from kind of agnostic across a, a quote to cash and provide some advisory services around that. We get asked to do that quite quite often. Uh, but just assume in this case, we're talking about an implementation of Salesforce CPQ and billing. Uh, from the start is understanding the you know, current landscape, where they are today, um, usual kind of discovery sessions. Um, a lot of our kind of business consulting will come into that stage across sales and finance and pulling together the right individuals from our customers to make sure we've got the, all the players involved. So that definitely start off there, um, understanding the challenges, and really starts actually, Frank, take a step back in the sales process. Right? We definitely have a consultative sales approach where we like to understand the challenges that the customers are having and make sure we are recommending the right solution. I think you may well know this, Salesforce had a, um, a process in place to make sure they're particularly they're selling Salesforce billing, that the customer is a right fit. We don't want to be going out and recommending a solution to a customer where it's just not going to work, it's not successful, it's not the right solution. And we see that a lot. You know, We will come in and we'll say to a customer, hey, if you're looking for X, Y, or Z, then either Salesforce is not the right technology or we're not the right partner. You know, this is where we focus and specialize. So definitely setting the right expectations up front from sales, understanding the pain points, transitioning that into our delivery team, and then doing a lot of kind of requirements scattering, coming into a design phase. Something that I'm really big on is making sure that we're constantly demonstrating concepts to customers. I've seen you know, in the past workshops that have been done around getting requirements where you're talking uh, maybe price rules, right, or bundle structures or guided selling or um, you know, different ways of recognizing revenue without showing the customers um, in theory what it looks like. So my discovery sessions, you know, if, if I'm leading them or the team here at Nearcoal, it's very interactive where we're showing a lot of concepts in the product to make sure we're on the same page and giving the customers ideas as to what they, how they may want to do things. So I'd say definitely starting there and then a lot of iterations coming through into you know, change management, um, testing, etc. as you'd expect right before we then go live. And one of the things I will say about that is from a project perspective that 
we, particularly when it comes to billing, our goal is to probably get 80 to 90% of the use cases in an initial go live, knowing that there's edge cases that are going to come up with in the finance team, you know, where their customers want to do something that's not, uh, wasn't thought about beforehand. And so we have this ongoing success at Nearcoal from you know, kind of three to six months after a project where we will work with the finance team to help them with any requests that come in that you know, they didn't think about or we didn't think about during that initial process. We were trying to cover 80 to 90% of the use cases. Mm. Now, let me ask one question, especially for the, for the billing projects that you do, right? So what should a customer do to prepare for these billing projects and how are they different from CPQ projects? Well, that is a great question. Um, we often get asked that as well, right? When we're trying to pull together you know, time frames with customers and, and who should be involved. So if they're preparing for a project, a couple of things I'll say. First thing is making sure that they actually have the right implementation partner. I think that's so key um, because a lot of our projects, we are bringing that expertise from you know, another 30, 40, 50 SaaS companies and what they've done and bringing that expertise, and I mentioned this earlier on, you know, if they were coming to us and they're a manufacturing company and want to know best practice around that and bill of materials and sending stuff downstream to an, an ERP system for manufacturing, I would say we're not the right partner for that. And so I would say the first thing is picking the right implementation partner to bring that expertise and domain expertise um, to the party. So I'd say that's the first thing, hmm. getting that. And then understanding who the personas are in a project. Uh, you know, you've got sales reps, sales managers, people on the deal desk, rev ops, accounting, billing. Everyone has different requirements. They need to access different data, perform different roles. So I'd say making sure you've got all the right stakeholders involved in a billing project. Whereas if you're, you're doing a CPQ project, you're probably focusing more on the sales side of things, more so than, you know, um, some of the back-end operational and finance side of things. So definitely getting all the right stakeholders together, making sure everyone's aligned. And a key thing for me is understanding early on what a cutover plan will look like. So going from, if they're using Azora today, for example, and they're migrating to Salesforce CPQ and billing, what that migration will look like and identifying that early and how the cutover plan will look. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where I've seen if people get caught out in the past is not having thought that through early enough on in a project. So it's great that we at Nearcall, we have migration tools for you know, Zoras, Recurlies, Intax, NetSuites, all these other contract billing systems, but you still need to, it's great that we've got the technology and the way to map the data, but you still need to come up with a plan for when you actually cut over and how you're gonna verify the data in the new system versus what the old system would have produced so I would say planning that early on, um, and big thing for me is the definition of done. Right? What is a what is a successful project look like, and how do we know when we're actually done uh, yeah. on a project? Excellent, but I think you brought up a very interesting point over here, especially with the replacement of the CPQ solutions, right? So in previous phases, I think companies changed from Excel to a CPQ solution, whatever it was, but now it's also you see that CPQ solutions are getting replaced by other CPQ solutions. I was just wondering, how often do you run into that? I would say for us, it's a mixture, Frank, of CPQ and billing solutions. So um, I'll give you my philosophy on this. So what we see is a lot of sales teams will go out there and purchase a CPQ solution. 
right, where they want to manage their contracts, particularly in our world where we focus subscription companies. So take a SaaS company, the sales team will say we need to start managing contracts. They'll go out and purchase a, a CPQ solution, which is great. And then you'll get your ERP vendors out there who have you know, been in the space for a long time, hmm. in tax, your workdays, your net suites, and they do a fantastic job of um, speaking to the finance teams and selling them uh, what they believe is the right solution to manage their contracts from a financial perspective. And what we're now seeing is then two completely separate systems trying to manage contracts. One is trying to manage the sales perspective, which is you know, new sales, amendments, cancellations, and then you've got the finance system trying to manage the billing side of things and revenue recognition, et cetera. And then you've got to try and keep these two systems in sync and figure out, well, which one's the master? How do we know these um, contracts systems normally for ERP solutions? They want to manage renewals and amendments, yet the sales team want to manage that in their CPQ system. Hmm. So. I would say a huge number of our um, implementations are migrations from where customers have two separate systems trying to manage contracts, a sales system and a finance system. Then we come in with Salesforce, CPQ and Billing as a joint solution to say, we're gonna manage everything, the whole life cycle of your contract, whether it's sales or finance, um, it's all managed in one solution and it's tied to the hip. So if you make an amendment, we haven't got to worry about how one system deals with proration versus another. It's all contained in one system so I'd say that's a huge number of our um, implementations right now are where companies are seeing that and they've tried to use a CPQ system and a third-party uh, billing system and they've just not been successful. Right? Yeah. So that's a huge, huge area for us. Okay, and I think on the heels of that, it makes sense to ask what are the biggest challenges you see anyway in implementation projects? Yeah, uh, biggest challenges, I would say, as I mentioned earlier, not planning. Uh, particularly from a migration perspective, what that may look like. Um, that's definitely a, a big piece for me, where I see kind of these implementations uh, potentially going off the rails. Um, I would say we've seen with other technologies out there, as I mentioned, we've seen a lot of customers where they have done a huge amount of customizations um, in solutions to try and get them to work. So maybe trying to get a CPQ working with Sage Intact contracts. Right, that's a big one for us. We see that huge number of our implementations of where they have tried to do that customers and they've made all these customizations. The Sage Intact contracts have a advanced CRM connector which doesn't really work with CPQ. So they've tried to make it work. So I would say there's been a lot of um, walkouts such in our customers where they've tried, you know, spent a lot of money investing in these projects. And when we come in, it's trying to unravel that and starting out with, okay, what are the overall goals? What are we trying to uh, achieve here? Um, making sure the technology is going to be a good fit and um, then delivering something you know, that's going to meet the needs of the customer um, on time you know, within a budget that they've got allocated. Uh, I'd say that's a big thing. And um, just a final thought on that as well is expectations and making sure that early on, that an implementation partner understands the full scope and what is possible and what the customer is trying to achieve. So, give you one example there. Again, a huge number of our customers now are trying to have a an omni-channel experience to manage contracts and billing. So instead of having one system for their inside like assisted sales team and another solution for their self-service kind of website customers. And then now you've got two completely separate systems. 
we're seeing a lot of customers wanting to consolidate and use Salesforce CPQ billing as that one system. So it's knowing how to do that, what the product does out of the box, and how you can make those kind of transformations. Great. And I think I have a, a ton of other questions. So it's a very interesting discussion, Ryan, but I, we're, we're coming to the end of this episode. So hence my question is, how can uh, listeners contact you if they have any more questions for you? Yeah, thanks, um, Frank. I'd say a couple of different ways. Uh, neocol.com, our website, neocol.com. And there's a, the ability on there to um, be able to contact Neocol um, or can reach out to me directly. My email address is Ryan. Dot lot that's l-o-t-t at neocol.com um, would welcome uh, your questions absolutely and um, personally for me love talking to people you know sharing the knowledge out there and helping grow this um, you know ecosystem that salesforce have and helping customers with these you know, kind of transformational projects that they're looking at doing brian thank you very much for making time for the cpq podcast today very much appreciated Oh, fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Frank. It's been a, a real pleasure and um, hopefully it's been you know, valuable um, for yourself and also listeners out there. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and hope you learned something interesting today. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes or share it with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, you can find us online at www.novocpq.com. So long, everyone. 